everyone and welcome to this episode of the ELT CPD podcast and an extra bonus episode of our Teaching to Writing mini-series. As we received such excellent feedback from our previous episodes, we wanted to do a fourth and final show in this series. In our first episode, we looked at how to get paid for your teaching materials. Then we moved on to how to write for a publisher and our third episode was a panel discussion with three experts about sustaining a freelancing career. Today on the show, we're talking to Rachel Roberts, who provides life, career and business coaching to ELT professionals. We'll be discussing the mental side of both teaching and freelancing. Hello. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Yeah, good. Good, How are you? Yeah, good. Let's start by hearing a little bit about yourself. So, well, where to start when you've been in ELT as long as I have? It could take a while. Um, so, yeah, I've been in ELT uh, just over 30 years now, um, you know, as a teacher, teacher trainer, materials writer, manager. Um, and more recently, I've been working as a life career and business coach mm-hmm. with um, ELT professionals. So, you know, I didn't really even plan to go into teaching. I think yeah. probably like quite a few people. But once I did, I found that I really loved it yeah um and in some ways maybe even a bit too much uh, because <laughs> you know I found quite quickly I think um that I was working very long hours um and I sort of got to the point where I was working like maybe 50 to 70 hours a week wow. traveling around south of Poland um going to different schools every week um that was my first experience of burnout mm-hmm. that's kind of what led me on the path a very long time later towards the work that I do now. Okay. Um, so did you continue teaching after you'd been working sort of 70 hours a week in Poland? And was it a while after? Or uh, Well, I came back to the UK mm-hmm. um, and got a job in a further education college um, setting up a CELTA centre. And okay. actually that was absolutely fine mm-hmm. um, for about 18 months. And then my manager... Uh, left and I got my arm twisted into taking over Um, and that was also okay because I had learned a bit at that point and said I can't do any of the funding or any of that kind of stuff because I don't I know nothing about it so we we split the job up yeah I didn't have to do that Um, and then the person who did do that went on maternity leave just before an Ofsted inspection oh no Um, and so once again I found myself burning out mm-hmm. um so you know in response to that really I realized I had to kind of make some changes Definitely. um and obviously you know I'm not like letting either of those employers off the hook frankly <laughs> you know, but it was also changes inside me you know why was I agreeing to all of these things why was I not saying no why was I so concerned with being perfect you know all of this Definitely. kind of thing and that eventually led to me doing a diploma in counselling and psychotherapy mm-hmm. um, about, well, about 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of, I mean, I did use it in my work, yeah. but I didn't use it professionally, if you like. And then about four years ago, I kind of realised that actually I wanted to work with people more directly. You know, I really like materials writing, but you don't see that direct impact. Yeah. So, um, yes, I went back, did a coaching diploma um, and set up my coaching business. And when you say you you realised that you had reached burnout, what were the warning signs that sort of triggered you to feeling like that? And how can someone recognise that in themselves? 
Well, I think, you know, it's quite idiosyncratic and it is different for different people. And that's one of the problems because it tends to happen to people who are very kind of passionate and hardworking and capable, if I can say that about myself. Um, and they're used to being able to do a lot yeah, and kind of, you know, not struggling. Mm hmm. And it's suddenly, it's like, you know, there's that metaphor about if you put a frog into um, a pan of hot water, it'll jump out straight away. But if you heat up the water gradually, it'll stay there until it gets boiled alive. Nice image, but anyway. <laughs> um, so it is a bit like that, that you can kind of be so caught up with what's happening and too busy to think about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but there are things definitely to look out for, I think. Um, you know, just things like if you if you don't respond well to like quite small challenges, you know, so like your partner leaves their sock on the bedroom floor and, and you're, you know, yelling, um, that kind of thing that normally you'd be able to take in your stride. Yeah. And you can't. Okay. Like that's often a sign, I think, because yeah. you're just too full. If you keep getting ill all the time, you know, minor things like colds and that kind of thing. But that's a sign because your immune system is depressed. Mm hmm. Um, by stress yeah attitude changes like you know if you get very cynical where you know I mean, if you've always been cynical that's fine <laughs> but you know if you weren't yeah. um and then you you get very sort of disengaged yeah that's often kind of like your mind trying to protect itself I think in a way and do you think that both teachers and freelancers can get burnout or is it mainly teachers you think uh, oh, I think I think both because I mean it's a, a bit like with my situation. It's usually a combination of sort of you know employers. I mean, if you're a freelance, you still can have employers, but being unreasonable. Mm -hmm. But it's also about you kind of not wanting to say no to things Definitely. and going. I mean, we all want to go the extra mile sometimes, but you know, this is like going the extra five hundred miles Definitely. on a regular basis. You know. Yeah. So I guess it comes down to time management, really, doesn't it? As a freelancer, really. I mm. mean, as a teacher, maybe you don't have so much control over that. Mm. But I think for freelancers, often we assume going from teaching to freelancing that we're going to reduce our hours, whereas actually we might end up working more, as you say, mm. taking on things that maybe we assume we're not getting work for the next month or six months mm. so we take too much on so what are some of your time management tips how do you think that freelancers should better manage their time well I mean I think there's there's two aspects to time management you know so one is simply taking on too much mm -hmm. and it's really tempting as a freelancer because yeah. you know there's always this sort of oh well, will there be anything else exactly you know, so I think it, I do think it's really important actually to um, be willing to take some risks in that way mm -hmm. and to kind of trust that there will be something else yeah. rather than loading yourself up all the time. Would you say that um, goes for less experienced and experienced freelancers? Um, well, I mean, obviously, it's easier the more experienced you are to be able to trust that. I think, however, you can build up, you know, I think you need to, this is another thing, you know, that often happens is that people are so busy um, doing the work that they're not actually doing any networking or marketing or, you know, anything that will bring in the next work. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you really, really have to set aside time for that. I mm -hmm. think that's so important mm -hmm. to see that as part of the whole business, because if you don't, then you are creating a situation where you might not have any other work yeah. and then that puts the pressure on. Definitely. 
you know so yeah so that's one thing and then the other side of it is actually managing the time you've got mm -hmm. and again you know I think for a lot of people actually they don't really have much clue how they're really spending their time you know so that that would be my first thing I think it would be to actually do a bit of a time and motion study on yourself just you know? writing down what you spend your time doing or are there any specific tools that you personally use um well i mean i i use toggle mm -hmm. um which is a desktop app okay. which will i mean i think a lot of freelancers know about it because it's a way of recording the hours that you do if you're being paid by the hour mm -hmm. but um actually i'm almost never paid by the hour no, um exactly. not for writing work anyway so but I use it because it enables me to see where my time's going okay and and it can also be quite useful for negotiating as well because if you're recording the hours and you get to a certain point in the project and go hang on a minute you know like this is really not working out in terms yeah. of the fee sometimes there is room to renegotiate on that yeah. or if not at least the next project mm -hmm. You can say, well, you know, something similar took me 500 hours. Yeah. Therefore, you know, perhaps you need to up the fee a bit. Definitely. That kind of thing. And is that a free resource for freelancers to use? Yes. I mean, the, there is a paid version, but there's a totally free version. I mean, the only difference is that it doesn't organise the data for you quite as helpfully but mm -hmm. it's perfectly useful i don't pay for it and you just input the out of the project that you that you're doing well it then... does it automatically it okay. once you set it up so you you just kind of click what you're doing mm -hmm. um, i mean the first time you have to type it in but after that you just choose from the menu and then as long as you are moving your mouse or the keyboard it will record that you're doing it and okay. if you stop um, it will then ask you after about five minutes, are you still doing this? Yeah. Um, and if not, it'll stop. That sounds like a really, really useful tool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned networking, but I think sometimes it's hard for a freelancer or even an online teacher who's trying to find their own students to put themselves out there or to get noticed or just to network with people if they're not very self-confident. Um, so what could we say to someone? What advice would you give someone who's not very self-confident and tries to sort of avoid doing these things? Well, I mean, I think I think you're right. Probably the majority of people coming from um, a sort of ELT background are not necessarily the kind of people that, you know, feel totally comfortable with shouting about what they do, you know, because teaching, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, I think I think to a degree we do just have to get over ourselves. Yeah. And I don't find it particularly easy, mm -hmm. actually, either. Um, and um, there's um, Helen Pritchard, who's like a sort of LinkedIn guru, talks about using your effort finger when you're posting online. <laughs> actually, but she doesn't use F, but <laughs> you know what I mean. But I really like that because it's like, yeah, okay, I feel uncomfortable about it, but I'm just going to press post anyway. Um and also, a lot of people don't realise that, you know, they have this idea that when they put something on social media, that everybody that they're connected to is going to see it. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. I exactly. mean, I wish in some ways, you know, <laughs> exactly. but it's, you know, it's often only about sort of three, five percent of the people that we're connected with will see a particular post. Definitely. And those who do see it are likely to be the ones who consistently like and engage with your posts exactly. so they're not going to feel annoyed about you post 
they like your posts, you know. Exactly. So just knowing that does make people feel a bit better, I think, sometimes. Definitely. And I also think you have to separate yourself from your online persona in a way. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, we're, we're not standing in the street talking about ourselves like we're the best. <laughs> but online, it's a different situation, is it? Because that's the way that sometimes you have to be in order to get work. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, you know, seeing it the other way around. Um, you know, so if you're a if you're a writer, publishers are always looking for somebody who can help them with the project that they're doing. You know, so they're quite grateful if they find somebody. Exactly. Um, you yeah. know, so you're you're not doing them any favors if you hide away in your room wondering why nobody's contacting you. <laughs> Coming to you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I think in ELT we often hear about sort of imposter syndrome. So can you explain what is meant by the term? And then what advice would you give to someone dealing with that? Yeah, so this is something definitely, I think, particularly, I mean, it's not a new term, but I've noticed it a lot more in the last few years, I think. Um, and the idea is that, you know, it's it's when we are actually perfectly capable mm-hmm. of doing something, probably more than capable, um, but we feel that we've only really got to where we are by luck and that, um, you know, we may be uncovered as actually not being as good as people think we are and, you know, all of this kind of thing. And I do use the term imposter syndrome because people generally kind of have an idea what it means. Um, but I don't really like it because, you know, syndrome implies that there's something wrong with you yeah. if you have it. Mm-hmm. And actually, research shows that like 70% of us experience this at, you know, one point or another or many points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's quite normal. And also, you are more likely to experience it if you are sort of in a in a situation where, um, trying to think what the the way of, of phrasing this, you know, where you have to try a bit harder to prove yourself generally. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're from sort of a minority, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, same thing would apply for women even though they're not actually in the minority within ELT, mm-hmm. but they feel they have to try that bit harder. Yeah to prove themselves so you know quite a lot of it isn't just about how we feel internally it mm-hmm. is about the reality yeah um of the situation that we're in mm-hmm. you know so I don't really like pathologizing it I suppose is what I'm saying because it's quite normal yeah definitely um, but in terms of sort of what to do about it really you know I think it's the same with with a lot of you know negative thoughts or lack of confidence we all have this um, like the sort of little voice in our head. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to call it the inner troll, mm-hmm. um, you know, that tells us, oh, you know, you can't do that. And who are you to do this? And, you know, you're bound to get it wrong. Or, I mean, everybody's inner troll says slightly different things because yeah. it's usually based on what we've kind of internalised as, as children. Mm-hmm. But what they have in common, you know, is is that they're all sort of quite nasty and want to put us down. And at a certain level that has a sort of biological function of keeping us safe. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't kind of put your head above the parapet, then you're not going to die. Um, (laughs) But it's also often just complete nonsense, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think recognising that, yeah, we all have this voice. It's not actually us. It's kind of like almost like I mean sometimes it's referred to as like a record playing in an empty room you know it it will just pop up and say these things and but we don't have to actually believe it Mm -hmm. 
you know there's a phrase um don't believe everything you think you know and I think that's quite helpful it's hard isn't it because I think it's one of those things that people don't really like to say out loud um Mm. I've felt it I'm I'm sure maybe you felt it most of course yeah (laughs) yeah because it's quite an isolating profession that we're Mm. on our own and we're in our heads a lot of the time Mm. so Apart from saying it out loud, how else can you sort of deal with with the thoughts that you're not good enough? Would you would you say sort of writing it down or just I don't know what what would you say? Mm, well, journaling can be quite good actually mm. because once you kind of get it onto paper, that enables you, I think, to sort of step back. Yeah. And rather seeing rather than seeing it from the troll's perspective, if you know what I mean, yeah. see it more from like your you know your your human self, Definitely. if you like. And, you know, and analyze it in that way. And you can then see it, actually, that's a bit, do I really believe that? You know, that's a bit ridiculous. I think also just talking about it, Mm -hmm. actually, because the more you realize that loads of us feel that way, the less ashamed you are about feeling it. Mm -hmm. And that takes away a lot of its power as well. Absolutely, yeah. We had a question from a listener, actually, which is related to this. And it was, as a freelancer or even a teacher being observed, sometimes it's difficult to take criticism or feedback. Mm. So I guess that adds to the imposter syndrome, doesn't it? Because if you do get criticism or feedback saying you could have done something better or on your materials that you've written, for example, which is inevitable as a materials Mm. writer, maybe you take something personally. So the question was, do you have any advice for how to stop taking things so personally in terms of criticism and feedback? Well, I would say that there's a difference between that instantaneous reaction that you get, mm-hmm. which I personally think you can't really do anything about. Yeah. Because, you know, I think it's just a natural kind of gut punch reaction. Definitely. And, you know, I've been getting feedback on my writing for 12, 13 years now. And, you know, I can't say that I ever look at critical feedback and don't have an initial like, oh, my God, reaction, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But there's a difference between that initial reaction and then what we choose to do next. Yeah. So, you know, we can choose to hang on to that reaction and to turn it into a great big story mm-hmm. in our head. And this is where the troll gets involved, you know, all about, oh, well, obviously they think I'm really useless and that I'm not as good as my co-author and that, you know, and nine times out of 10, if not more, we've just completely invented all of that. Um, And I mean, I, you know, I actually experienced this um, earlier in my writing career. I did a whole project um, with an editor who was a very good editor, but who basically just didn't believe in giving praise, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it was a bit of a waste of time. (laughs) So they just focused on the things that needed changing. And I went through the whole process thinking, oh God, I can't do this. I'm useless at this. And, you know, and then got to the end and and this person was really like, oh, you know, that was so great and you're really good. And, and I was like, oh, God, well, you could have said that earlier. You know, so I had been telling myself all of these stories about, oh, you obviously can't write secondary materials. And, yeah. you know, and it was just all totally in my head. Yeah. Uh, so in that case, it was just yeah. waiting until the end of the project to get, yeah. the, to get the praise. Yeah. yeah. I think often freelancers don't, especially materials writers, mm. don't get, praise like Mm. you would send a draft one get your feedback send the draft two and then the project's finished Mm. so do you think it's okay to ask for feedback at the end of a project yeah I I I was going to say I mean what I would do differently now is much earlier on 
I would ask for feedback mm -hmm. and, and just kind of, you know, not in a sort of, do you think I'm rubbish? Please reassure me kind of way. Yeah. But just genuinely like, you know, uh, what would you say are the things that I'm doing well here? What are the things that in general I can improve, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just not spend the entire project because it was over a year, uh, you know, like think, thinking that I can't do it. Um, and yeah, and just bear in mind that you you can't, A, you can't control what somebody else thinks of you, mm -hmm. which, yeah. you know, we all try to, mm -hmm. but you can't. You can control how good what you produce is, yeah. you know, so obviously you try and produce the best you can. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, even if they really, if it's true that they don't like it, yeah. you can't actually do anything about that other yeah. than do the best you can do. Exactly. You know? So I once read a post by your group, which we'll talk about in a moment mm. as well, by your Life Resourceful group, and it said, maybe you're a people pleaser, you find it hard to say no, you rarely put your own needs first, which often leads to taking too much on and being overloaded. So it's sort of related to the time management that we were talking mm. about earlier. I think it is the case for so many people who are in charge of their own schedules, taking on too much work. What advice or tips would you give someone for that? just taking on when is it okay to say no well it's always okay to say no <laughs> is the first thing um and you know i think that i think there are reasons why people don't want to say no so one of them we've talked about already which is like fear yeah. you know fear of not getting any more mm -hmm. or fear of offending people you know yeah. that kind of thing um but i think also sometimes it's about um you know shoulds like i should be able to do this yeah. other people would be able to manage this you know that that kind of thing um and sometimes it it's we don't want to let people down um you know and i would put that in quotation marks you know if i was writing mm -hmm. it because a lot of the time actually we are letting people down worse by taking it on yeah. than we are by not taking it on because, mm. you know, we probably won't do such a good job. Um, and worse than that, I think what tends to happen, and I've definitely done this myself, is the resentment kind of bubbles through. And even if you don't say anything directly, they can feel it like yeah. in the tone of your emails or, you know, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And potentially you can damage the relationship, Definitely, you know. So I think there are really good reasons um to say no and just in you know in a broader sense yeah because often these people have trouble saying no you know to family and friends and everything else as well it can damage that sort of relationship mm -hmm. it can teach people to be too dependent on you you yeah. know which is mm -hmm. not necessarily in their interest mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately you know i mean i guess if you get ill the publisher may not care that much because they can hire somebody else but you know your your family certainly will mm -hmm. and they'll be left picking up the pieces Definitely. so it can actually be quite selfish mm -hmm. to never say no to things and for people who have a horror of being selfish you know which is certainly me naturally actually that's a good reframe because mm -hmm. then it can kind of pull you back from feeling that you ought to be saying yes and if you're in the middle of a project and it just gets too overwhelming and you think I, I can't do this and like you said maybe it starts mm. to come through in the work that you're doing mm. as well do you think it's okay to reach out and just say I think this is too much and sort of maybe try and get someone else on board to help mm. yes I mean again I think you're not doing them any favours, just mm -hmm. kind of struggling on and, and not producing anything very good, possibly going off sick at the last minute when they can't get somebody else in, yeah. you know, whereas if you can, 
mean, if you can make a positive suggestion, mm -hmm. you know, like if you have somebody you've worked with before who you know has a bit of availability, and you can say, how about if I asked so and so to do, you know, a couple of units if it's writing, yeah. then all the better. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I do think, I think being sort of, you know, transparent and honest about things is usually the way to go. Definitely. And I think there's always an internal worry that, oh, this is too much work for me. It's overwhelming. I don't want to do it. I'm not getting paid enough. But then the battle of if you if you reach out and say that to a publisher or the person that mm. you're working for, you're afraid that they're just going to cut you off and never speak to you again. Whereas yeah. that's not necessarily the case. You know, we always okay. have in our heads how someone's going to respond to something mm. when that's actually not usually the case. So, yeah, well, it's that thing about telling ourselves stories again, isn't it? Like me telling myself for a year that this editor thought that I was rubbish. You know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of listener questions here. Mm. So especially now during the pandemic, a lot more people, especially teachers, are now working from home. So how can we stop working from home becoming living at work? Ah, oh, good question. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I hear this a lot. And, you know, in some way, I mean, I work from home and have done for about 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love it. But I've got it all set up. Yeah. For that purpose, I've got a separate office, you know, with a door, with a sign on it that says closed. <laughs> and like, I don't want to be disturbed. Whereas for a lot of people over the pandemic, they've been kind of working in their kitchen or, you know, so it's a totally different thing. Yeah. But I think the similarity comes down to, you know, the same thing, which is boundaries. Mm -hmm. And again, this goes back to the not saying no. But being really clear about, you know, what, what is and is not okay mm -hmm. in terms of being disturbed, um, being clear in your own mind about what are your working hours. Mm -hmm. Because actually a lot of people, I think, are working much longer hours, you know, because they can. Definitely. Um, and they're not commuting, so they think, oh, well, that's an extra, you know, couple of hours I can do a day. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually maybe you should be using that time to get outside and do the walking you'd normally be doing if you were commuting you know definitely yeah um yeah so I think you know I think in, in boundaries is probably a really key part of my work actually mm -hmm. in one, one way and another whether that's practical things or emotional things mm -hmm. so what if someone can't say they are working in their kitchen mm -hmm. for example and they find it really hard to switch off from their environment around them what could we say to someone like that, especially a teacher who might have sort of children running around mm -hmm. and washing up, lying on the kitchen counter? Well, I mean, you know, I think as far as you can, try and avoid, mm. you know, those kinds of things, even if it means, you know, like getting up earlier so you can do something before the kids get up or, you know, but then not working the entire day, Yeah, you know, then actually perhaps putting aside your work and spending some time with the kids or having a nap if there's somebody to look watch them yeah but you know sometimes we are in this kind of situation I mean it's been you know a bit like that for me this year where you just have got too much on mm -hmm. and with the best will in the world you can't improve the situation that much yeah and I think you know in those cases it's about seeing that recognizing that's really a challenging situation and therefore you need to really up the self-care um, and I don't just mean bubble baths you know but but eating properly, getting exercise, sleeping, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, having rests and breaks and things, even if it's just one minute yeah. with your eyes closed 
doing some deep breathing Mm. you know everybody can fit that in definitely do you know any different ways of working rather than sort of sitting for eight hour days one that i've used is the pomodoro technique Mm. um where you do sort of 25 minute sprints of work of of course that's not for everybody because 25 minutes might only be enough to get going (laughs) um Mm. but yeah do you know any other ways of working that might be useful so well i mean certainly pomodoro is one is one that i use um quite a lot if it's something that I'm resisting doing because yeah. it's hard to procrastinate and actually mm-hmm. I'm amazed what you can get done in 25 minutes Definitely. if you're not messing about yeah um I think um you know this is I don't know if it's exactly a way of working but I think it's a lot of it is about being more conscious about how you're feeling so mm-hmm. what can happen quite a lot of the time is that we're so busy working that it's almost like we're ahead, like floating about, yeah. you know, in our body, we've just got no awareness at all. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you know, we stand up and we're half crippled mm-hmm. because, well, maybe that's just me, but, you know, because we've been sitting for so long yeah. or we suddenly realise, oh, we're really thirsty or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So one thing that um, I teach my clients to do is to have like a regular, um, like maybe every hour, mm-hmm. some something pings on their phone and they just check in with how they're feeling so I get them to do you know like green amber red Mm -hmm. you know so green yeah feeling great in flow can carry straight on but if it's amber Mm -hmm. then maybe you need to stop and kind of take a short break or have a drink or move before it gets to red you know so the idea is that you never get to that red point because you're aware of what's happening that's really useful actually and would it just simply be writing down the color yeah yeah Yeah. interesting that's really really useful it's Um, a kind of mindfulness technique i suppose yeah it's really really useful and hopefully no one gets to the red (laughs) and they're writing (laughs) down red um and the final (laughs) listener question we have is sometimes it's hard to know how much time a project will take and if it's worth the money i'm being offered how can i better manage this to ensure i'm not selling myself short Another good question. I mean, unfortunately, there is not some, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree probably, you know, Billy, because you're right too. Mm-hmm. There isn't some magic formula that always tells you exactly how long something's going to take. You get better at it yeah. with experience. And I do think that using Toggle has helped me a lot with that mm-hmm. because I go back and look at, well, how long did I spend on something like this last time yeah you know definitely. having said that it does vary because you know um, I mean I wrote you know two levels of a book um, at one point and the difference I think it took twice as long on one of them as the other and it was about the editor yeah. um, you know, so you never you never quite know yeah um, but what you know what I would say is don't, yeah, don't be too hard on yourself if you get it wrong and mm-hmm. you've learned from it and you can use that um, in the future. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind that you may well be able to negotiate mm-hmm. after you've started because I think people often think that they are absolutely tied to it. Yeah. And I've made that mistake myself. I mean, one of my first freelance writing projects ended up working out about five pounds an hour. Wow. Um, it was horrendous. But I never complained. I never went back and said, no, but... You know, you mm-hmm. didn't say it would go through all of these. They kept giving it to different people to read and then they all had oh different opinions. Um, so you can go back. You could also do the first section, mm-hmm. um, you know, say to them, I'm not quite sure how long this is going to take. Can I do the first unit? And then we can talk about how long it will need. Oh, Although, of course, idea. the first unit we usually 
take a bit longer, but yeah. it'll give you, you know, an idea. Mm-hmm, definitely. I and I think it's always hard for freelancers to negotiate. Yeah, how do you know when it's okay to negotiate? Well, I mean, I, I can't think what the exact quote is, but there is quite a well-known quote which basically says you, you always negotiate on everything. <laughs> um, you know, and, and to a degree, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's that you're necessarily going to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, but there's always room for negotiation mm-hmm. on something. Yeah. You know, so it might not be money, it might be time, it might be scope, you mm-hmm. know, like how much you have to do. Yeah. But there's there's usually some kind of room for negotiation. And sometimes I think fees are definitely, you know, quite fixed. Yeah. But sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. And like what they've got in their mind is between this and this kind of figure. Mm-hmm. You know? So if you don't if you don't ask you don't find out definitely and I think that again goes back to being in your own head knowing that you want to negotiate working out how you're going to say it in the email and then panicking because you think they're going to come back and say I hate you and I never want to work with you again (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) exactly but it's also about you know the situation that you're in because how strong is your position you've always got to think about I mean you know negotiation is one of my favorite topics in some ways because um, I've, you know, I've learned quite a lot about it over the years. Yeah. Uh, when I went freelance, my husband actually teaches negotiation um, at university, and he was he was kind of like, right, now I'm going to teach you all about no, this because really you're going useful. to need it. You know, yeah. um, but you've got to you've got to think. You know, what's your walk away point, mm-hmm. and how much do you need this? You know, and if you really badly need it, then it may not be worth trying very hard with the negotiation because you've always got to be willing to walk away. If, on the other hand, you really don't fancy it and and or you're really busy already, mm-hmm. then you can be a bit cheeky and give it a go and see, you know, well, how much would I want to actually make me want to do this? Definitely. See if you can get it, you know. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your life resourceful group, because you've you've mentioned it a few times. But mm. um, where can people find out about it and, and what is it? Yeah, so I have um, I've got a, a free um, group on Facebook. Um, it's called Light Bulb Moments. Mm-hmm. Um colon helping ELT professionals manage stress and gain balance Mm -hmm. and the idea is that that tells you what the group's about yeah Um, so so um, essentially yeah so it's a group of um, 700 odd ELT professionals Mm -hmm. um, who you know are all interested in having more balanced lives you know personal development that Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah Um, I do a, a live um, every Monday, mm-hmm. um, just sort of like 10 minutes or so, usually with like a sort of thought thought for the week, if you like. Yeah. Um, we also have regular guest lives, you know, mm-hmm. people coming in. So um, we've got somebody coming in soon to talk about managing your finances because nice. that can be a cause of stress for people. Yeah. Um, and then next month, we've got Mariusa Price, who's just published a book about mindfulness activities in the classroom. Yeah. So, you know, so it varies quite a lot. Anything that comes under that umbrella of better quality of life, really. Nice. Do you do training as well? You do um, on your website, uh, so your training. I do sort of like ELT related mm. training yeah. um, and um, conference speaking. I do quite a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do, so as well as doing like one-to-one coaching, I also have a group program, Mm -hmm. um, which is aimed specifically at freelancers. Um, And that's like a combination of business skills. So Mm -hmm. things like, you know, marketing yourself, um, negotiating, 
finding your niche, you know, that kind of thing, together with things like imposter syndrome and, you know, money mindset, um, as as in feeling guilty about asking for any. Um, (laughs) So it's that sort of, yeah, the the combination of the business skills and the the psychology, because, you know, essentially that's what I found that people need. You know, you can find out a lot of the business information if you look around, but you won't necessarily implement it if you don't get over those blocks. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think it's one of those things as well that people just don't generally like to talk about the mental side of freelancing and Mm. teaching and working from home Um, and everyone's going through it. So I think that's really useful that your group gives people the opportunity to share their experiences as well and know that they're not alone in what they're going through. So Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a key part of it. And how can people um, find out about your group and the dates that you run it? So um, I'm running one at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which is going through to July, and the next one will be in September. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find out by going to my website, mm-hmm. um, which is um, life-resourceful.com, um, and just click on the tab that says Group Programme. Yeah, and there's, there's quite a lot of information there and sort of, you know, testimonials from people who've done it and that yep. kind of thing. Great, perfect. And we'll put a link below the podcast as well so people can access it from there. So I've got a quick fire round. We tried this on the last episode and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say some sentences and then whatever comes to mind super quickly, the first thing. So yeah, five alternative ways to take a break in your day are... Okay, so, well, first of all, one thing I've really got into lately is yoga nidra, um, which is not yoga as in exercise. Mm -hmm. It's a kind of um, nap, basically. (laughs) Uh, It's great. So you you listen to this voice and you focus your attention on different parts of your body. Okay. And it, you don't actually fall asleep, mm-hmm. but really close. Okay. And it's incredibly refreshing. If you just kind of do that for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. it really picks you up. And you so do it lying one. down? Yes. Okay. Yes. Preferably lying down. I mean, mm-hmm. you can sit in a chair, but if you're a freelancer, you don't have to. Yeah. You can go and lie on a bed, <laughs> exactly. or a, but do set an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> and is it just on YouTube? Yeah, you can find lots of them on YouTube. So, yeah, I, I, so I definitely recommend that. It's really good. Um, dancing would be another one okay Uh, so I quite often do that just kind of put on some music and you know have a bit of a boogie in the office because that gets the energy level back up again and I like dancing Mm -hmm. and nobody can see me so that's all right (laughs) I mentioned that the traffic lights idea that would that would be another one that's really Um, good deep breathing okay actually because often if we're anxious we breathe very shallowly Mm -hmm. and so we're not kind of taking in enough um oxygen yeah but you don't you have to be a little bit careful because if you kind of pant deep breathe you can actually make things worse yeah so a good technique is what's known as box breathing okay so kind of you breathe in Mm -hmm. and then you hold it at the top Mm -hmm. and then you breathe out and then you hold it at the bottom so I'm kind of drawing a box with my hand but of course nobody can see that (laughs) (laughs) but it forms like a box you know so in across Definitely. out across yeah. that's a good suggestion um, just yeah I mean various mindfulness techniques I think can be good as well so just you know going into the garden if you can or looking out the window if you can't mm-hmm. and just spending you know two or three minutes just really focusing on something that you can see like a tree or 
know. Yeah, just to take your mind off mm. staring at the screen or what you're what you've been focusing on for the last few hours. Definitely. Absolutely. No, they're really good. Okay, the next one. If you get offered a job that you know is paying too little, you should. I mean, this goes back a bit to what I was saying about what choices you have, but mm-hmm. I think the first thing is to ask yourself how realistic it is that fear yeah. that you won't get anything else you know mm-hmm. so is that actually a real thing or is that your troll kind of getting into your head mm-hmm. and if it's the troll then I think you know tell it to wrap up basically. <laughs> and when you start to get overloaded and this does happen to me from time to time and what I do is I write it all down mm-hmm. um, you know like make a really sort of big list of everything which initially is a bit like oh dear god Right, but then I go through it and kind of work out, right, okay, what do I realistically not actually have to do yeah. or not have to do now? Uh, and what can I delegate mm-hmm. to other people and just kind of get as much of it off there as possible? Yeah. And then think, okay, which of these things have to be done soon mm-hmm. and which can be done a bit later and usually by that point I'm kind of calming down a bit about it Definitely. because when, you know when we're really busy I think we do get into that can't see the wood for the trees thing and we think everything's important mm-hmm. and it, it really is actually yeah do you find it helps or would you recommend people to tick things off the list as they've achieved them um yes I think I think that can help I mean I generally speaking I'm I'm not a huge fan of to-do lists mm-hmm. per se because they can be a bit overwhelming Definitely. um but I do like that sort of just dump like it's almost more like a brain dump than a to-do list mm-hmm. you know and then I think I would take the things that are left on there and put them into sort of decide when I'm going to do them like block them out in my diary yeah. rather than just have them in a in a list yeah. And the final one that we have is the key to being, actually we'll do two, one for teachers and one for freelancers. So the key to being a happy and successful freelancer is? Okay, so for this one, I think it's recognising that you are literally your own boss Mm -hmm. and asking yourself what kind of boss you want to be. Okay, You know, a good one or the boss from hell. (laughs) That's true, actually. I've never really thought about it like that because you are your own boss. So if you had people working for you, how would you how would you be the boss to them? You should treat yeah. yourself exactly the same way. Exactly. And very yeah. often when you look at it, you think, dear God, I would never treat anybody yes. else like that. That's really useful. And then the key to being a happy and successful teacher is? Okay, I think, I think again, it's similar in a way. It's about recognising that you are at least as important as your students. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think often teachers will sacrifice themselves in many ways, you know, for their students. And nobody's saying that, you know, that students don't matter, but there has to be a balance. Well, thank you so much for your time and for answering the questions. You've got some, given us some really useful advice. And as I said, we'll put some links to your, um, your group and your Facebook group as well, so that people can join that too. Okay, thank you. So thanks so much for listening to our episode today. We'll be posting links to the resources Rachel mentioned along with this episode, so do check those out. Our next podcast series is focused on all things digital. So from setting up an online teaching business to growing your subscriber numbers and followers and developing content and apps for both teachers and the classroom. Do follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram by searching for ELT, CPD or One Word to hear when our next episodes are released. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, ELT, CPD. If you do have any suggestions for our upcoming episodes or would like to be a guest, 
just send us an email and get in touch at info at eltcpd.com. Once again, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye.